You're listening to City Beat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Janine. Today we are joined by Peter Zangi from the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance. We'll discuss the state of historic preservation in Milwaukee, what's happening at Soldiers Home in the Mitchell Park Domes, and what exactly is the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance. Don't touch that dial, close that app, or hit skip. We'll be right back. Peter Zangi, welcome to City Beat. Hey, thanks, Jeremy, for having me. Before we go any further, I guess tell people a bit about yourself. I have been in Milwaukee now for about 10 years. I'm scratching from UWM. I kind of fell in love with the city when I went to school here and kind of through living here, just fell in love with this architecture and uh, the built environment and um, decided to make my home. So I uh, kind of looked for ways to get involved and found uh, Milwaukee Preservation Alliance to do that. And how long have you been working with the Preservation Alliance? been volunteering since, I believe, 2012. So I got involved through the Soldier's Home Project, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And I've been the president for the last two years. So yeah, it's been it's been really cool to see how the organization has um, evolved over the years. And, um, you know, it's, it's still an all-volunteer organization, so it's very grassroots. But we're, we've got some really exciting things coming up, and we're, uh, yeah, we're pretty pumped about it. And let's talk a bit about what this organization is. It has a very official title, but I'm imagining it's not some large colossus of 100 people out there preserving buildings in Milwaukee. Right, right. So to kind of give you the uh, the official description of the organization, I'll just kind of read it to you quickly. So we're a nonprofit organization devoted to promoting uh, promoting and stewarding the awareness of the historic, cultural, and economic value of Milwaukee's built heritage. MPA aims to strengthen Milwaukee's neighborhoods by advocating for and promoting their unique cultural spaces and architectural assets in order to foster a strong and vibrant community, as well as demonstrating the link between historic preservation and viable economic development. So in much fewer words, um, basically we advocate for the rehab and reuse of Milwaukee's historic buildings. We do that because um, we see the cultural, environmental, and economic benefits of doing so. And when you say we, who is we in this case beyond just the organization? How many people are we talking about? So in terms of just people who volunteer, it's it's really our board. Um, so that's currently eight. Outside of that, we have uh, you know roughly a hundred paid members. But we, like I said, it's a very small group. It's very grassroots. But there is uh, an exciting announcement that will um, we'll talk about in a bit that. Uh, will definitely take us to the next level as an organization. Uh, a tease, a tease. A I tease. like it. Yep. I like it. I'm the host. I'm supposed to be doing the teases. <laughs> but I guess let's keep on rolling. The Soldier's Home Complex. Give us a bit of a background on what that is. I think longtime Milwaukeeans know what it is, but mm-hmm. I, as someone who's lived here 14 years, until recently, I didn't really have a full appreciation for what this complex is, what it means, what it's been in its, its history. For people who don't know what it is, and, and I have to admit, you know, before I got involved with it, I didn't really know what it was either until about 2011, there was a roof collapse in the rear of the main building, Old Main. That got a ton of press coverage, so that's really how a lot of people found out about it. But some brief history on it is, so following the Civil War, President Lincoln, it was actually one of the last acts he signed before he was assassinated in 1865, signed this piece of legislation that established the system of soldiers' homes for returning Civil War veterans. So 
Milwaukee ended up getting the Northwest Branch. It's one of the original three. It's the most intact of all of the soldiers' homes remaining. Therefore, it's it's really the most intact of all of the VA campuses nationwide when you look at the entire legacy of the VA. So the way we got involved was uh, back in 2011, the, the roof collapse I mentioned. That kind of was an impetus for the, the public kind of, you know, getting interest in the buildings, you know, kind of seeing what, what's happening with them. There were a number of buildings that were uh, fenced off and that were not open to to be used. And so we nominated them to the 11 most endangered list by the Who? national... Okay, go oh, ahead. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm cutting you off. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Yeah, so the uh, 11 most endangered list is, is um, administered by the National Trust for Historic Preservation. They're the premier um, preservation group out of D.C. following year, they named it a national treasure, which brought increased exposure nationally to it and some resources. And then since then, we had been meeting with a community advisory council um, composed of veterans groups and other community stakeholders to, re- to return um, the vacant buildings to the use of veterans. You're talking about an 1860s building that had its roof collapse. And yeah. I, I'm picturing a fairly small building, but I guess describe Old Main to people more so they get a sense, because that is the most iconic building in the collection. Yep. So Old Main is, you can actually see it from the freeway if you're looking in the right spot. Um, it's directly west of Miller Park. And if you know where the VA hospital is off of National Avenue, if you exit or if you enter the VA off of National Avenue and you keep going north, and then you'll see this big tower on the hill. So that is one of about 20 so buildings that are, are part of the Soldiers Home District, which is actually now a National Historic Landmark District, which is pretty significant because there's only about 2,500 nationally. There's 43 in Wisconsin. So that building was kind of the the first it's it's not the oldest building on the campus but it was the first building to really house um, returning veterans I believe it's 133,000 square feet so it's pretty gigantic that building along with five others uh, to kind of tie it back to to what's going on now is um, being rehabbed for 101 units of homeless veteran housing so there's going to be 80 units in Old Main, and then there's going to be another uh, 20 units kind of scattered around five other buildings. And the VA isn't rehabbing them. Who's rehabbing them? Uh, the Alexander Company. They're out of Madison. So John Beck is leading that project. They have a lot of experience with uh, rehabbing historic properties in other states, especially in the D.C. area. Another way that M- MPA has been involved with this, in addition to advocating for their buildings reuse, is uh, there is a... Uh, fundraising campaign right now that's currently wrapping up for $3 million, which will leverage an additional $37 million that's already been secured in financing for this project, and that will allow it to move forward. Um, so that the project will be breaking ground this summer and will be completed by uh, the end of 2020. I really encourage people to take a look at this campus. If you want to get there, you mentioned it's on National Avenue. It's National and Miller Parkway is kind of the major intersection right there. Just go a little bit west of that. You mentioned the VA hospital. It's behind the VA hospital. But there's another fun way to look at it. You can take the Hank Aaron State Trail and go right through the campus because you're following a railroad line that actually served the campus, which I always think is interesting to consider just, you know, what value did that serve to this community? And you can see why these buildings are oriented the way they are. Uh, how do you get to it from the north? I forget what bridge that is that you can kind of take into it. Well, so if you're if you're coming from I-94, we actually uh, raised some funds about four or five years ago for the big brown signs that say VA National Historic Landmark. Um, so that's exit 308A. And that will take you into the, the grounds from the north, which is actually the prettier way to kind of go through the grounds because you kind of go past the cemetery and you go through, you go past the chapel. 
And then there's also some interpretive signage that was also part of this this fundraising campaign of several years ago along the Hank Aaron State Trail. So if you're ever driving through it, you're riding your bike through it, there's one right next to the the old theater and you can kind of read about it. And, and also, if anyone ever wants to go there, it is public ground. So, you know, as long as you're just kind of respectful of of course, the, the veterans on the grounds, you can take your own self-guided tour, and there's actually a free walking tour app if you search uh, Milwaukee Soldiers Home in your app store. All right. Anything else we should know? Um, that's about it. The, the next stage of it, though, which will be another kind of another effort, is there's three existing buildings that are also vacant that are not part of this this rehab. The current legislation only allows for buildings that are conducive to housing to undergo this this particular uh, funding mechanism. So there's uh, the old governor's mansion, which is where they used to call the uh, the director of the, the soldier's home, the governor. And then the theater building and the chapel are, are currently vacant and the VA is looking for interest in those. And if you're interested in those, seeing them uh, or redeveloping them, I guess, uh, call the VA if you're interested in redeveloping them. If you're interested in looking at them, uh, either go see them in person or on urbanmilwaukee.com. I was taken inside of them earlier this year and have a bunch of photos, especially of the Ward Memorial Theater. That's quite the place. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And if you'd like to stay you know, plugged in with everything that's going on there, we post everything on our Save the Soldiers Home Facebook page. And so um, that will be everywhere you can find everything out. Well, let's stay in the same general area, the Mitchell Park Domes. What does the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance have to do with the Mitchell Park Domes? So also for context for people who might be listening from out of town, the domes, what they are is basically Wisconsin's premier horticultural facility. They uh, were built in the late 50s, early 60s, designed by local architect Donald Grieb. He actually got a patent for the design. They're the world's only conoidal-shaped glass domes in the world, if you can believe it, because, you know, there's conoidal things everywhere. <laughs> but the uh, what was going on with them is they, about three years ago, there was a chunk of concrete that was uh, found in one of the walking paths. And in an abundance of caution, they closed all the domes temporarily. They put up some netting to keep any potential concrete from falling. Subsequently, there was kind of a, a larger discussion about what do we do with the domes. You know, there was the, the county at one point had floated the idea, you know, like, do we start over? Do we redevelop the domes? And that's when Milwaukee Preservation Alliance stepped in. Again, with the National Trust, we nominated them to the 11 most endangered list. And then the trust declared those a national treasure as well. And so we, we, we've been working with them since to, um, to get that rolling. And there's been no official decisions made by Milwaukee County yet, has there? There is not. So the, the county board, they put together a domes task force, uh, which uh, Don McCarthy of the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance represents us on that. Since that was formed a couple of years ago, they've been they've received several studies looking at how to best move forward with the domes and what makes sense. One of the greatest concerns, of course, is, you know, what's it going to cost? So there was a peer review study that came out by a group called Wist Jenny Elsner Associates, which is a they're a pretty reputable group. They've done work on the St. Louis Arch and the Washington Monument. And their analysis, basically the, the conclusion was if you were to restore the domes, get them back to where the, the water is sealed out, and in getting them up to code, that would cost roughly $19 million, which is far less than previous estimates were. So we're, we're really encouraged about that because we believe that at the end of the day, the the most um, logical you know, financial solution will be to restore them. And with that, does restoration involve, in the ideal world, I assume it is restore them exactly as they were built, which I believe is with largely a concrete structure 
connecting the different glass pieces. But is there other materials being studied that could be used that maybe have a longer life, or is it a maintenance issue, or what's really guiding those decisions? I think what will guide them is there's there's one more pending report that the task force is waiting on, which should be delivered this summer to them, and that's looking at the it's it's is a material study, so it's like how do how do we best seal the domes to keep the water out? How do we best, you know, what, what materials actually need to be replaced or can they be repaired? So there's not, there's not enough information yet to really say this is what we absolutely should do moving forward. But by September, the county task force is expected to make their final recommendation to the county board. County board has been clear that they support a restoration option. And Milwaukee Preservation's uh, vision for the domes is that all three are rehabbed and restored, kept as a, a uh, community asset. The circumstances of the domes are that they're not the original horticulture center from Milwaukee. There was, I believe, a facility in Mitchell Park even before yep. that. Mm-hmm. Now we have these domes. They, they seem to be that the conoidal shape has some type of a long-term maintenance issue. Maybe it just requires more frequent maintenance or something, but it seems that maybe we should be considering a different shape. Why does it matter that they are what they are? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, for one, they, given their unique uh, shape and their size, they've become an icon, not just of the city, but really the state. I mean, a lot of people from out of state, especially down in Chicago, come up to visit the domes. The fact that there's three different climates in three different domes is pretty unique. The The height of the domes is is also something that you don't see at many other horticultural facilities. I think what we have to kind of look at, too, is, you know, you're right, it's not the original um, facility that was built right where the domes are standing. I, I believe that was designed by Henry Koch. That was replaced by the domes in the 50s. But I guess, you know, it's like, what kind of city do we want to be? Do we want to, you know, replace the domes that are kind of world-renowned for their architecture and engineering and, you know, start over with something that, you know, we don't know what that's going to look like given given the, you know, um, practicality of fundraising for something new versus, you know, kind of already keeping what we have. What does that look like? But I think it's just, it's one of those things that makes Milwaukee unique. And that's kind of what got me interested in, in historic preservation in the first place is I think cities in general are just becoming so homogenized with the same kind of, you know, buildings going up, especially, you know, you're looking at apartment buildings and wherever city you go to, it's like, oh, this could be in my city. You know, it's like, there's no real uniqueness a lot of times, but I think the domes is one thing where it's distinctly Milwaukee. There's nothing like it. And I think people are proud of it. You know, when we talk to people at events, it's hard to find anyone who doesn't love the domes. And has the Preservation Alliance ever done any studies or looked at studies that say the uniqueness of historic architecture adds value or subtracts from value? Actually, the National Trust for Historic Preservation has released a report on that. And it is pretty interesting to see when you compare neighborhoods, they kind of did it on a all the way down to like a neighborhood level in several cities around the country. And you can you can compare um, investment in Main Street districts that have smaller, older buildings and you look at the, the racial makeup, you look at the new businesses that are started, and it oftentimes is much greater than in a, you know, an area of downtown, for instance, that might have been leveled in the 60s for urban, urban renewal and is now this like big, new, shiny tower, but doesn't really have any character to it, you know? And, you know, I'm also, I'm all in for new development. You know, I, I work for a real estate developer that does amazing projects, but it, it takes both. It takes both the the character of the old 
buildings that draw people in and then you can add to them with the new buildings but to you know to just kind of demolish what we already have that that kind of removes removes the reasons that downtown area might have been cool in the first place because it's it's got these unique buildings that they're just not going to build anymore well then let's pivot and talk about what you're going to show off in milwaukee because you're hosting you being milwaukee preservation alliance are hosting something called the rust belt takeover what is that when's it happening I guess I'm, I'm very intrigued yeah. by this idea, and it seems absolutely ridiculous, and I love everything <laughs> about it. Tell me more. What it is, basically, is a weekend meetup where young folks from around the Rust Belt... Um, do, do they have to be young, or can they be young at heart? They can be young at heart, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's for anyone, but the, the group who organizes it is called the Rust Belt Coalition of Young Preservationists. And so they're basically a consortium of other preservation groups around the Rust Belt. They've been doing these meetups now, I think, for about four years or so. It's it's a meetup weekend where we're kind of like-minded people from around the area can, you know, go on these tours. They can explore the city in a way that is not your typical, you know, TripAdvisor uh, best, you know, recommended list. So it's fun because we get to curate it however we want. And this will actually be my first Rust Belt takeover. So I've just been kind of hearing from, like, folks like Tim Askin from HPC. He went to the one in Columbus last year. HPC is the city's Historic Preservation Commission. Tim, yes. Tim's a city employee that staffs that. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's really neat because you can you can show people parts of the city that they might not otherwise get to. So, for instance, we're going to be doing a tour down on Historic Mitchell Street that Saturday. Um, and what date is that Saturday? Yeah, the dates are May 10th to 12th, um, and I'll I'll tell you in a bit how you can sign up for that. But yeah, some of the highlights are uh, the Friday night we're going to have a welcome event at the Paps Brewery that everyone in Milwaukee is welcome to attend. We're we're basically just it's kind of a, a very informal, casual way to introduce people to the city. Perhaps might be something that's not necessarily off the beaten path, but it is something where I, I feel like you know Milwaukee is a city that a lot of people haven't from from other cities haven't really come to and seen yet. So everything's new to them. So we think uh, the Pabst will be, you know, a great representation of kind of um, the, the renaissance of what's going on. When people come to town, the brewery, the former Pabst Brewery is one of the places we take them. I've yet to find yeah. anyone disappointed by that. Oh, I mean, it's it's really remarkable to see what's happened there. I, you know, when I was in college not that long ago, I mean, it was a ghost town. I, my friends lived over at the, the PBR Lofts, and that was like the only development that was completed at the time. And now it's pretty much built out. And I mean, to see it go from a place where it was like, you know, no one was there to now it's hard to find a parking spot. I mean, it's I think that's one of the most. Uh, All right. That compelling. was the most Milwaukee thing you've ever said. There's a giant parking garage that the city spent almost 30 million dollars. on. Yes. It is right. easy to find parking. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. You're right. It's hard to find free parking. Now. Yes, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I, I should. Uh, the, I had the to urbanist, call you out on that. No, the urbanist of me should be ashamed of myself. But, but anyways, I have. Sent you down a tangent. Tell me more about the Rust Belt takeover. Yeah. So uh, some of the other highlights um, that we're going to be we're going to be showing people is on the Saturday morning. We're going to be doing a, a tour of the domes, which I know a lot of local people, you know, they can they can kind of see it at any time. But we're going to be talking about kind of what's going on currently with the domes and our efforts with the Save Our Domes campaign. So if I'm a local person, yeah. I should be interested in these events, not to see the space, but because I'm going to learn every time I go on one of these things. I'm not just going to be like, here's the domes. Neat. Let's move on. Yeah, kind of both. Um, I think some of them might be, you know, things that you might not have, um, you know, ever really considered to go visit. Um, another one is the, the Soldier's Home, which um, we do tours for that every door's open. But I know a lot of people, you know, those sell out right away. And so a lot of people who, who would like to go see that 
haven't had an opportunity, we'll be doing a full tour of that, uh, which is, it's outdoors, so we won't be going in, but you'll get a walking tour from yours truly, just kind of explaining the history of, of what's um, of what they are and then what's going on currently. And then after that, in the afternoon, we have several tours that people can choose from. So one of them is the Hank Aaron State Trail Tour, which will be more of like a self-guided where we'll give people a map and kind of highlight some stops along the way. Can you uh, promise it's not going to snow right now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely not going to snow. Um, and then the next one will be, um, mentioned the, the Mitchell street tour, Tim Askin and I are going to lead, um, a downtown tour. So from roughly around the Riverside theater up to the art museum, and then we'll end at the, the beer garden. Cause obviously, and then, um, which beer garden, uh, the Juno park, it's going to be, um, the traveling beer garden is going to be there. Excellent. Yeah. Well, good timing. Yep. Probably the most interesting event, um, which might be might be enticing to folks who otherwise wouldn't have been interested, is where uh, there's a annual or not an annual, but every time they do these meetups, they do a beer competition. So basically, people from whatever city they're visiting from bring a six pack, and then uh, you just get to sample all these beers and you know kind of hang out and vote for them. That particular event is going to be at a very ultra-exclusive venue, which is right around the corner from Urban Milwaukee's offices, if you can take a guess what that might be. Well, uh, tease me a bit more, but I'm pretty sure it's the City Hall Bell Tower. Um, well, we are going to be touring the Bell Tower, okay. but I don't think Mayor Barrett would be very happy if we were drinking booze inside I the Bell Tower. I was all of a sudden <laughs> becoming really interested in this event, and now you've ruined <laughs> it for me. I, I don't know. Where are we going? Well, it is it is a, a place that hasn't been open to the public for a few years. It's got Is it so close to urban Milwaukee that it's in the same building? It might be. Uh, very it interesting. Might be, yeah, it might be heavily German inside, um, still... still um, Got the German exterior. With so. a fair amount of Karl Rachness on the outside. Fair amount, yeah. So that's where we're going to be doing uh, the beer exchange. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, special shout out to, to Patty Keating Khan for that. Who owns the Colby Abbott building, I must plug. It's a beautiful building. Yeah, so, and then uh, the last thing we'll be doing is sa- Sunday morning, we're going to be taking a uh, kind of behind the scenes tour of the Oriental Theater. Interesting. Yeah. And you, who's guiding that tour? Someone from Milwaukee Film? So Don McCarthy is heading that up, and I believe someone from Milwaukee Film. Okay, because I'd be yeah. very curious, I think, and that this will blend right into what we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. but how they are rehabbing that building in a historically sensitive way. They've had this big bathroom issue, because mm-hmm. apparently people in the 1920s just didn't go to the bathroom when they went to movies. <laughs> right. uh, so and if you were a woman, you had to walk upstairs. I yeah, mean, and pretty ridiculous. now this Americans with Disabilities Act that says, right. hey, that's bad. We should consider people that can't walk on their two feet wherever they want, whenever exactly. they want. Uh, but th- that leads right into historic preservation tax credits. What impact are they having on Wisconsin? Yeah, so that that's one other project that Wonky Preservation Alliance we've been super involved in. The impact that they've had is really kind of hard to overstate, especially over the last uh, few years, because we increased in Wisconsin um, the state tax credit from 5%, which it was for a long time, up to 20%, which is in line with... So that's a 400% increase. But now tell me what that <laughs> actually means. Yes. Like, what is a historic preservation tax credit? Yes. Okay. So we're getting there. So the basically what it is, is first of all, the, the building has to be uh, National Register eligible. And then once you clear that hurdle, then it has to get essentially certified by uh, the State Historic, State Historic Preservation Office, or SHPO, um, out of Madison. They will essentially give a tax credit to the project for up to 20% of the qualified rehab costs. So not every single cost, you know, such as maybe architectural fees, soft costs like that are not eligible for the credit, but overall 20%. And then there's also the federal tax credit. So the 
when you when you combine those, you can get up to forty percent of qualified costs that are uh, that can go into the project. And it's a really really powerful financing tool. So many projects that you see around Milwaukee, you know, you look at anything from the Germania. Uh, to the Posner building, which is the one that Moses is in, to the Fortress building that just opened uh, last week. They had a great grand opening party. All those buildings very likely would not have happened without the, the tax credits, which is why that they were sitting either vacant or very underused for a long time. And uh, these tax credits really just kind of fill the gap and allow all of these redevelopment to move forward. And I think one of the most compelling things about them is Baker Tilly, uh, which is a pretty you know reputable accounting firm. They've done a couple of studies actually, but one of the studies they did found that the investment that the state makes is returned to them in full by year seven of the project once it's operational, and then after that, you know, it's all basically gravy for the state. So it's literally making money for the state. The risk is essentially zero because the project does not receive the tax credits until after it's completed and then certified by the State Historic Preservation Office. So there's not any risk of this project didn't get funded, but we still gave them the money. Now we're on the hook. You know, it doesn't happen until the end. From there, the, the state gets the um, added benefit of an increased tax base. And I'll let you think about your favorite underrated Milwaukee restaurant. Well, I, a quick note on the historic preservation tax credit, and this is the key thing people mm-hmm. or Milwaukee readers confuse. The state actually isn't giving you money directly. They're right. giving you these credits, which are essentially vouchers you attach to your taxes that are often sold in a marketplace for not their full value because you're not going to buy something. You're not going to spend a dollar to save a dollar. You might spend 95 cents, though. So these stimulate investments in more ways than one. They get difficult projects off the ground by getting different capital partners in, banks or institutions with big tax liabilities. But now that we have about a minute left, I want to get some information out there about where people can learn more. But I also, before we do that, want to hear your favorite underrated Milwaukee restaurant. There's a few to choose from, and it's hard, but one well, place... Well, you must choose one. Okay. <laughs> All right. If I have to choose one, it's a place I went to recently that I really loved, and it's down on Mitchell Street, and it's opened by um, some immigrants from Syria, so it's really hard not to love. It's called uh, Damascus Gate. They have excellent falafel and, and shawarma. And it's just the service was excellent, so I would totally recommend anyone to go. That's funny because I literally wrote down last night, I need to go to Damascus Gate after seeing a photo of the Oh, yeah, do it. It's so good. All right. And now we have 30 seconds left. Where can people hear or learn more about the Rust Belt Takeover or the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance? Um, Yes, the Rust Belt Takeover, if you want to sign up for it, it's $10, but that gets you access to all the events. You can find that on Eventbrite if you just search Rust Belt Takeover Milwaukee. Milwaukee Preservation Alliance, we're super active on Facebook, so that's where we post all of our events. So just search Milwaukee Preservation Alliance there. We also have pages for uh, Save Our Domes and Save the Soldiers Home. All right. Well, that is perfectly on time. We got to go. Thank you, everyone, for listening.